Welcome to the podcast of the Consortium for History of Science, Technology, and Medicine. Today is September 23rd, 2022. I'm Bob Akashrafi. Today we're going to hear from Rana Hogarth, who is Associate Professor in History at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, and this year she is an NEH Fellow at the Consortium. Rana will tell us about her background, her work, and her use of consortium collections. I have a PhD in history, but with a concentration in history of science and history of medicine um, that I earned from Yale University. And I also have an MHS in health policy from the Johns Hopkins Greenberg School of Public Health. I am interested in the creation of ideas about racial difference in North America and the uh, English-speaking Caribbean. I'm interested in ideas about race that emerge through the language of medicine and its allied fields. I'm broadly interested in understanding how the medical profession and the production of scientific knowledge or expert knowledge were actually quite essential to the process of making race and reifying racial differences. The kernel of this project actually came from a graduate seminar paper. So a long time ago, I wrote a seminar paper on Charles B. Davenport and his race crossing studies. I had never heard of a race crossing study at that point in my career. So I thought, okay, what is this? And I realized that this was not just a seminar paper, that I had a lot of questions about what it meant to try and measure and quantify skin color traits and features of people with mixed race ancestry. Charles B. Davenport was actually regarded as one of the best known American eugenicists in the early 20th century. So um, I believe he got his degree from Harvard in biology. He ended up running Cold Spring Harbor uh, Laboratory, where this is They were basically running a eugenic station, the eugenic records office. And he was sort of the face of uh, the American eugenics movement. He and and Harry Laughlin um, were associated with the ERO, but Davenport was the person that would raise funds. And he also authored a number of studies on, on race crossing and trait books, eugenics. So he's a big name in the eugenics movement. The uh, true movement, we could say thinking about Galton as Francis Galton, as the the founder of this term or coiner of the term eugenics, is sort of the study of of certain traits, well-worn traits of what makes certain people fit or superior or able to have specific traits that are considered to be of benefit to society. So the idea that why do some families have high achievers? These are the questions that Galton was interested in. But eugenics that maybe we know of often has the more negative side, which is how do you stop certain groups of people from reproducing or how do you stop certain so-called bad traits? And what's interesting and maybe what is probably more well-known with the eugenics movement is forced sterilizations amongst groups of people that were deemed to be criminals. The, the idea that criminality was something that was uh, could be passed on as a trait. The idea of promiscuity was also believed to be passed on as a trait. And so there are these very horrifying and tragic stories of people, generally poor people, people of color who were targeted and sort of had their reproductive rights curtailed, so sterilized against their will. So that's, I think, maybe the way we, we think about eugenics now, and that's part of what I am studying. Davenport actually conducted a very large race crossing study in Jamaica, in, published in 1929. And I realized, yeah, this paper was not going to do justice to, to understanding it. So I put it away. You know, I turned in the paper. It was, oh, this is interesting. You should explore it further. And I kept thinking about the topic, to be completely honest. What are racial traits? What are racial features? But then thinking about eugenicists, you know, 
what was their understanding of fitness and how did they then apply that concept to distinctive races of people? So in thinking about that, I more questions kind of emerge. So you can imagine a flood of questions, actually. And I thought to myself, you know, one research goal or question I have that's been guiding me is where did some of the ideas that eugenicists had about race crossing come from? Like in the sense of they, these didn't just happen in a vacuum, right? There were pre-existing ideas about race and racial difference that maybe influenced um, or shaped their research questions. And in digging into the story of Davenport and uh, race crossing studies on particularly of people of black and white ancestry, I saw that slavery sort of was lingering in the background, sort of ideas about race from the era of slavery or ideas that were being repeated or modified. So I really am trying to understand uh, the connections between slavery and race crossing studies, eugenic race crossing studies. So that's sort of the really big research question or goal, I guess. I'd like to spark academic debates and a kind of provocation, actually, by saying, could we think about eugenics and tying that to slavery and actually saying, you know, eugenics is not just a reactionary science or a misappropriation of new knowledge of genetics, but is actually something that's rooted in race making that has an old history. But for folks that are not specialists, I would like them to think, one, what are some of the impacts of eugenics on groups of people that maybe aren't always associated with eugenics? So I will be focusing a lot on African-Americans, people of African descent. If we think about popular narratives of eugenics, it's, it's often framed as targeting immigrant populations, which is very true. But I want to broaden that story, actually. I also would like folks who are not specialists to consider you know, the legacies of slavery in this regard. That has been a topic that, you know, is, is coming up in, in national debates and discourse about history and education. But I do want to have us consider that this is not something that just happened a long time ago and went away. And when we talk about its legacies, I think that slavery permeated a variety of different disciplines, including sciences, including the ways that elite scientists from Harvard would approach the topic of what bodies are fit. Where does he get that data? Well, slavery and slavery era knowledge is kind of there for him to draw on. So that would be something I, I would hope would be of interest to a broader audience. I will be going to the Rockefeller Archive Centers. It turns out that in uh, so-called global philanthropy and, and work in parts of the Anglophone Caribbean, you see a kind of overlap with those who are interested in measuring racial fitness. So the Rockefeller Archives, I'm very excited to visit. Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory, which I have actually already gone to visit, has been pretty cool um, in terms of looking at the day-to-day -day workings of how field workers at Davenport trained to go and collect data, like sort of understanding what they were taught, what their interests were, the kind of standardized forms that they were using to collect data on mixed race people. I will also be heading to Columbia University. Um, I actually would like to look at some of the writings of Frederick L. Hoffman, who is perhaps well known for his work as a statistician for the Prudential and his claims about um, potential Black extinction. But Hoffman and Davenport actually overlap in terms of their, their ideas about fitness and their study of mixed race people. Hoffman actually had quite a bit to say about the fitness of mixed race people. So I would like to dig in deeper into his thoughts. And then the last archive would be the American Philosophical Society, which has Davenport's papers, a lot of unpublished papers, letters. And so I want to dig in further and get a sense of his networks of people who he spoke to, 
particularly other folks interested in eugenics from around the world. So I know that he has some correspondence, for example, with people interested in eugenics in like parts of Brazil, in other parts of the world, like asking, do you have any data on mixed race people? So in this way, I think that this is really a project. It's, it's about race. It's focused on slavery in the Americas and its ties to eugenic studies of mixed race people. But I don't think that that's an isolated sort of thing to study. It's not just in America. I think that concerns about race mixing are much broader and bigger. And so I'm curious about maybe what other discussions are happening around the world at this time. Eugenics was, in fact, a global movement, right? There are international eugenic congresses that are held in the early 20th century. So one thing that I'm interested in doing for this project that maybe specialists would be interested in knowing is it's one thing to go to the archive and look at the content, right? You look at a letter and you interpret the letter, you think about the context. But I'm also interested in like process. Um, so how and and sort of what motivated somebody to pose the letter, what motivated somebody to send their family data to the eugenics records office, right? How did some of that data get there? Or how did the subjects who were being measured by Davenport's field workers sort of understand their positionality? So one thing that was very cool at the Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory that I found was records from a particular research assistant. Um, I think her name is Miss Danielson. And she went to Jamaica and she studied mixed race people. And so in my mind, I know it's impossible to recreate the scene, but as the, the historian in me is like, I want to know one, this young woman, right? So a woman being trained, very well-known scientist to go and do this field work, but to knock on the doors of mixed race Jamaican people and say, okay, I want to know about your family history. Tell me everything about that. And I want to also look at your skin color and I want to measure that. These are the kinds of fine details that I would like to try and bring out in this second project. So it's the histories there, it's the you know content, the evidence is there, but I also think it's important to tell a story. And so I do want to try and get at more of the lives of the actual human beings involved in this endeavor. Thank you, Rana. This has been a podcast from the Consortium for History of Science, Technology, and Medicine. For more information and resources on this topic and others, please visit www.chstm.org.